Whatever extracts order from chaos is properly done if it's done in truth. Those people are comfortable with failure. They buried a man on a lie. They're also well known for fabricating stories that paint a picture of whatever picture represents the story they want to tell. Higher likelihood of minimizing future mistakes. Welcome back to Surviving the Street Podcast, where policing meets personal growth, tough conversations, and partially filtered stories of real events. If you really want to be a top performer, you need to stop lying to people when you fail. Before we get into this episode, help me grow this community by interacting with this podcast on whatever platform this podcast is reaching you on. If you have questions you want answered or discussed in an episode, you can leave those questions in the comment section. You've probably heard you should believe none of what you hear and half of what you see. I think that's a really good phrase to live by so you're not influenced by the things that aren't true. In law enforcement, like any other high-stakes profession, there are times where people involved in critical incidents have a self-interest in making themselves out to be a hero in their own story. There are plenty of heroic stories, and some of those stories will probably never be told, nor will that individual be recognized for their actions. I've always been more interested in the truth and always thought the truth was more entertaining. Because the truth is where we can actually learn, develop, and grow not only from a tactical training perspective, but from a human accountability perspective as well. If the truth interests you, then you've probably come to find out that speaking the truth is extremely unpopular and heavily opposed. It's also not a stretch to believe that leadership decisions or the implementation of tactics have been and can be a product of what we hear and what we believe to be true instead of what we know and what we can prove. I don't really watch movies all that much, but when I do, it's usually a movie based off real events. I remember watching Lone Survivor several years ago, and honestly, the only reason I watched that movie was because I remember doing an after action with my team in the Marines over the incident in a barracks room in 2009. I remember seeing grainy footage the Taliban had taken of the Navy SEALs gear laid out on a blanket, a shaky video of the mountains and forest along with the sound of gunfire, and a Chinook helicopter falling from the sky. In a way, I guess I felt invested to gather more information on that event. The whole situation is extremely sad and by no means should anything be taken away from those individuals, but when Hollywood gets its hands on something, it's usually made into a product that focuses more on bringing money to the box office rather than focusing on being historically accurate. What caused me to look into the incident in greater detail after seeing the movie was the end scene where Mark Wahlberg, playing Marcus Luttrell, is handed a knife by an Afghan boy where he stabs a Taliban attacker while the village is also being attacked by a significant number of Taliban fighters who are also being repelled by armed villagers and the military during heavy fighting. It's no dispute that none of those events in that end scene never happened. Without going into great detail on this podcast, some of the other events that are in dispute is the number of Taliban fighters, and honestly that's something very difficult to understand when you're in the middle of such an event, and the number of enemy fighter casualties. Andre McManus, a former Marine colonel who was involved in the planning of Operation Red Wings and assisted in the recovering of the bodies after the mission has stated that there were no known enemy fighters killed in action. It's still a tremendous story of heroism that deserves to be told, but for me, inserting false events into a real story detracts from the impact of the story itself. If the ending of that movie played out like it did in real life, where the Taliban interrogated and beat Marcus Luttrell for six hours before realizing the village elder would not allow them to take him, I think that would be as impactful, if not more impactful, but that ending isn't exciting enough for the box office. Another one of those movies is played out in the movie 12 Strong, which tells the story of the U.S. Army Special Forces sent to Afghanistan immediately after the 9-11 attacks. In this film, these men are tasked with laying the groundwork for the U.S. war in Afghanistan while mingling with local militia on horseback. 
That again is a tremendous and almost unbelievable true story of what I would call heroism. But that Hollywood film shows one of the men being badly wounded while clinging to life while he's being rushed to be extracted, which never happened in real life. In fact, that individual has stated that he still suffers from back pain from riding the horse during that mission. I don't believe that creating events that never happened added any value to the story. I refused to even watch Zero Dark Thirty after hearing about the events in the movie, which I can tell, again, because Hollywood is involved, probably never happened, or at least in the way it was portrayed. Any reasonable person who understands enough about these things can oftentimes say, from a practical perspective, that something just doesn't quite add up. Without going into those details, you can research who really killed Osama bin Laden and find enough information from reputable guys in that community to learn that the story being told about who pulled the trigger and when doesn't quite align with what likely happened. Hollywood is motivated by money, whereas men who are involved in critical incidents are sometimes motivated by either protecting their own image or using the incident to build their image into how they want people to perceive them or their abilities. The Breonna Taylor incident is just one example. That video can be found on the YouTube channel, and I'll admit it's not one of my better videos, but the information is still there. Sometimes people can be influenced by money through book or movie deals that wouldn't quite read the same without the embellishment. I've seen what seems like to me officers attempting to protect their own persona play out in different ways after a critical incident. One of those is from men who have all the training and expertise that I guess feel inclined to project accomplishments in times of failure to protect the persona they have built for themselves. Maybe in some ways they feel like when they admit failure, other people will see that and it negatively impacts their image. I have also seen this play out from officers who don't regularly train. In this case, I assume the purpose of not being truthful would be to convince people you were actually ever capable of accomplishing that task to begin with. I have been privy to quite a few after-action debriefs of either combat operations in the military or tactical operations on the law enforcement side. I can honestly say that I don't think I've ever been in one of those meetings where it felt like all involved were being completely honest. What you often hear from people who understand the importance of taking responsibility from a leadership perspective is something to the effect of, that's my bad, followed by shifting the blame of their inadequacies to someone else as the reason why they didn't perform as expected. For example, that's my bad or that's on me, but the reason that I did that is because you did something you weren't supposed to do. Don't get me wrong, I think it's important to analyze the reason decisions are made, but that often sounds like a half-ass attempt at taking responsibility and pinning the failure on someone else. It's almost as if the mistake is so bad you know you can't fade, at least making it look like you are taking responsibility. But to protect your image, you make sure to direct the group's attention elsewhere. It's not as if you're dishonest with other people about what occurred, but then are drilling yourself to be better and analyzing the mistake that you made. Those people are comfortable with failure, so much so that they are willing to construct their own realities over actually improving themselves because it's easier to do and takes no physical effort. The problem is that we delay the opportunity for progress in regards to tactics and law enforcement, if progress can be made at all, when we are not honest about these interactions. I understand not being able to speak on certain matters or even having to articulate events in certain ways to lawyers or leadership because of the sensitive nature of critical incidents in general. But that's much different from fabricating individual performances to make up for inadequacies and then continuously telling the story of those performances in a way in which it didn't actually happen. Telling falsehoods regarding individual performances to avoid criticism or judgment from others may feel beneficial, but I can tell you that although individuals may not feel comfortable calling you out, and maybe it simply doesn't make sense to in order to avoid conflict, these conversations are happening amongst other men. And because I'm only interested in the best information possible, and the best information is always found in the truth, 
that may manifest itself into a YouTube video or a podcast episode. Oftentimes, officers of different skill levels will be dishonest in order to seek approval or avoid disapproval from others. This is something that manifests itself in interviews for tactical positions in law enforcement. Often, officers who are involved in a critical incident are questioned about their experience in that type of interview. Officers are oftentimes dishonest because they feel like telling the truth will negatively impact their chances at getting that job. And it actually might, depending on the circumstances. What they don't realize is that although the interviewer probably knows the real details, they want to see how you respond to it and if indeed you are going to be honest about what occurred. If you did have failing points, this is where you explain what those were and what you are doing to make the adjustment. And if you don't do any of that, being dishonest actually hurts your chances more. Even if you were in one of those situations and things went well, let's say you fired one round at a lethal threat and brought that situation to an end, the wrong thing to do is be braggadocious about it and either pretend or act like everything was perfect. In fact, what you will find is that expressing although the results were favorable, you still found areas where you need improvement. If you're your biggest critic, then that's the truth. Therefore, give real examples of failures you identified or the things you could have done better and what you have been doing to ensure you don't replicate those failures in the future. That's how a person with a growth mindset thinks, and it's not difficult to see how that can be an attractive quality and a valuable addition to any team. A lack of ownership from critical incidents usually means that collectively we can't gain meaningful insights into the areas that need improvement to prevent others from making the same mistake in the future. I think more important than knowing the act happened, which is sometimes obvious from body cameras anyways, is the why behind it. That's why I lead a conversation with officers involved in critical incidents with a conversation about honesty because we won't find the best information possible with anything other than the truth. Jordan Peterson has said, whatever extracts order from chaos is properly done if it's done in truth. To extract order from chaos, it first starts with what you do, followed by what you say. Peterson argues that the establishment of order should be based on a truthful representation of reality as opposed to deceit or manipulation. Whenever you're involved in a critical situation, you only have what you have. All the training and preparation you have put in, or lack thereof, is the only place you can draw your actions from. If you don't seek out the information and be deliberate about your application of whatever skill you're learning, then you're increasing the likelihood that you will underperform, leading to more of a chance of you feeling like you need to be dishonest about your performance in order to save you from yourself. Whatever happens as a consequence of telling the truth will always lead to the best outcome no matter what. In that way, we'll find out what actually works and what doesn't, which again leads to a higher likelihood of minimizing future mistakes. I had this conversation with a SWAT officer recently over this topic, and he told me that in all the after-action debriefs he's been involved in regarding an officer being shot or killed from an outside SWAT team, he never thought the team presenting the information was being completely honest, or it seemed as if they were avoiding identifying the root causes. This was his and also my experience at times in the military as well. Maybe that has something to do with protecting the image of the team or the unit. The military is well known for its stories of heroism, but they're also well known for fabricating stories that paint a picture of whatever picture represents the story they want to tell. Pat Tillman was a professional football player who played for the Arizona Cardinals. Eight months after 9-11, Pat turned down a $3.6 million contract from the Cardinals and enlisted in the U.S. Army. Pat easily became known as an icon of American patriotism, and he should still be recognized in that way. In 2004, Pat deployed to Afghanistan in support of Operation Enduring Freedom. During an operation, Pat was killed, and the story that was being told was that Pat was killed in a gunfight with enemy combatants. 
It was stated in reports that Pat guided his team up a hill near the enemy's location and maneuvered his team into a firing position. The initial report even stated that Pat was heard issuing orders to take the fight to the enemy, which was also read at his funeral. What followed the actual events was the destruction of physical evidence, including his uniform, inconsistencies with his autopsy report, which listed a gold wedding ring he never wore, and fabricated after-action reports. What actually happened, which was well known all along, was that Pat was killed by friendly fire and there were never any enemy combatants involved. Pat's mother was quoted as saying, Pat would hate to be used as a lie. This tragic incident highlights the effect misleading narratives can have. Although there were larger motives involved in the falsification of those events, it's actually a story of poor tactical decision making to split their unit into two elements, which was adamantly opposed by those on the ground. That decision led to other soldiers' perception of enemy forces in a place where you would actually expect the enemy to be waiting to set an ambush, but instead it was members of their own unit. Instead of telling the truth and facing the consequences and making the appropriate adjustments to mitigate those issues from occurring again, they buried a man on a lie. Pat Tillman is quoted as saying, Will people see me as an honest man, hardworking man, family man, and a good man? Officer-involved shootings, especially if they result in an officer's death, seem to be something you can't talk about outside of the small group setting. And what it seems like is that the response after an officer mag dumps through a residential area and goes 2 for 17 is, good job. And I guess that's just because it's unpopular to identify outside of the group setting that maybe that wasn't a great job. And for whatever reason, doing so evokes plenty of emotion. From a personal development perspective, there's things that people talk about like working out, ice baths, being disciplined, but I always think it's easier to start with things that are within your immediate control. It's not as if you actually have to work harder to be truthful, but you do have to work harder and put in more work if you want to avoid feeling like you need to lie to begin with. You've probably heard the easy route never pays well. Not only does it never pay well, but it rarely pays off. Let's say, for example, you're involved in a critical incident and you tell people you accomplished something you know isn't true. Not only do you simply tell this to someone or some people, but you often remind people of this incident and what you did. That's really easy to do. Maybe people will only speak about it in small groups, whereas that might not weigh on you, therefore it seems like you are seeing the benefits of that behavior. Maybe the real details are brought to light, where more people identify that not only was it not a great performance, but now everyone knows you're not a trustworthy person. We've all encountered situations where it might be tempting to take the easy route, to tell a story that paints us in a heroic light, especially in a critical incident where one might be tempted to exaggerate their role. The easy narrative might seem beneficial initially, but the long-term repercussions on trust and credibility can be substantial. It's important to acknowledge that memory and perception during critical incidents are not always reliable. Stress and adrenaline can impact our ability to recall events. Even watching body camera footage might reveal some disparities between what we remember and what actually occurred. If you've ever watched your body camera after such an event, you've probably noticed that maybe you didn't say things you thought you said or you did things you don't quite remember doing. Sometimes you even remember seeing something during an incident that you don't recall till several days later. That's normal and those details can be filled in over time and honestly corrected. If you have any experience with such an event, then I think you understand those minor details and recollection are not the focus here. Heroism isn't a negative idea. When heroism is genuine, it is undoubtedly a positive concept. Society and organizations need heroes, individuals willing to go above and beyond for the greater good. Acts of heroism can foster progress, innovation, and healthy competition contributing to the betterment of communities and institutions. However, prioritizing self-interest over genuine heroism can hinder collaboration towards a common goal. 
Instead of focusing on the easy route of self-promotion, consider allowing your actions to speak louder than your words. Your actions are a physical representation of your intentions and values. When you align your actions followed by your words, it demonstrates authenticity and quite frankly makes the things you say more believable. If you're a regular listener or viewer, you know that personal accountability is a reoccurring theme on the podcast, YouTube, or Instagram. Prioritizing responsibility not only cultivates a culture of accountability, but also encourages others to take responsibility for their actions. Not only responsibility for their actions, but responsibility in their own lives. Heroism is a concept that has been presented throughout human history, embedded in myths, legends, and real-life narratives. The archetype of a hero has evolved over time, adapting to the changing landscape of societies and civilizations. What remains constant, however, is the admiration for individuals who rise above challenges, confront adversity, and make a significant contribution to the well-being of others. When someone exaggerates a story to portray themselves as a hero, it can form skepticism while diminishing the value and recognition of true heroic acts. A commitment to doing what you say and saying what you mean can contribute to a strong, undeniable personal reputation. When your actions align with your words, it creates a compelling narrative of reliability, authenticity, and integrity. This means that when you have a story to tell, you won't have to worry about whether or not it sounds believable. Recognizing and highlighting officers who make poor tactical decisions is like every kid getting a trophy or equal to you wanting recognition for coming in third. In that situation, a trophy becomes a symbol of participation rather than a representation of the quality of work. Without a thorough examination of tactical errors, law enforcement agencies risk exposing their officers to ongoing unnecessary risks. Failing to learn from past incidents means that similar incidents may be repeated, putting officers in the very situations we are trying to avoid. Officers who actually care about performance may become demoralized if they perceive a lack of commitment to learning from mistakes and improving tactics. A sense of frustration usually affects morale, potentially leading to decreased job satisfaction, increased stress, and high-quality officers leaving the job in search for higher standards. When everyone's a hero, it promotes a culture that downplays accountability and discourages open communication. This can hinder the development or the growth of a proactive or adaptive organizational culture within law enforcement agencies. When you can't even speak about what actually is, then there's no chance you'll adapt yourself as a professional to the best information possible. If you'd like to continue helping me grow Surviving the Street and the Kinetic Concepts Training Group brand, take a few seconds and engage with this video or audio on whatever platform this podcast is reaching you on. Giving me feedback, as you have been, is allowing me to target my content to fit your wants and needs. If you're looking for training, head over to kineticconceptsgroup.com and subscribe to the site to be notified when the next course is posted. If you have the authority to schedule training for your organization, you can send me an email at instructors at kineticconceptsgroup.com. Oh, they see something. My family, I love them. I can't copy. I can't copy. I want family, I love them. We got crews coming.